Our reading for today is Luke 19, 28 to 38. Listen now to the word of the Lord. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, today we celebrate Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday is a day we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, and where they laid the palm branches at Jesus' feet. It also marks the day uh, start of the Passion Week, the final seven days of Jesus' earthly ministry. So. Um, this morning, we're going to be uh, trying to figure out what is this great insight and great misunderstanding. Um, on the next slide, three questions that we're going to be trying to be answering today. Uh, what happened on Palm Sunday? Number two, what significance does it have for us? And number three, how should I respond? So uh, please pray with me um, as we begin. Oh, sovereign God, uh, we come to worship you this morning. Open our eyes so we can see your beauty of who you are and your words. Speak to us, feed us, fill us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so what happened on Palm Sunday? So I have uh, uh, on the next slide here uh, kind of a brief map just to kind of give us a little perspective on the journey. Um, He started in a place called Bethany uh, that we see kind of on the bottom, and then he made his trek up to Bethphage. um, And then he eventually gets to Mount Olive, which is probably, that's the summit on top there. Then he goes down to the Kidron Valley, and then he enters Jerusalem. So basically, the triumphal entry is him coming from Bethany all the way to Jerusalem, and how the crowd came around to celebrate, uh, as Pastor Dohi kind of mentioned, the great celebration that was happening. All right, so um, just going into a little more detail on what happened on that Palm Sunday, um, as we uh, see Jesus, first of all, uh, sends two disciples ahead, to find a donkey to ride. And we see that again in verse 29. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. Um, so, Jesus, uh, again, asked two of his disciples to go out and to get a donkey that's never been ridden. And that's significant as 
when you have something that is set apart, um, you, they have not done this purpose before, then it is sent for a special occasion. And since Jesus is the king, um, him being the donkey being unridden was very important. Um, so basically the disciples go and as exactly as Jesus said, uh, they went away and found it as he told them. So verse 32, so those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. So they untie the colt and the, the owners start to ask, what are you doing? In verse 33, and as they are tying the colt, the, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And the surprising thing is that the owners were satisfied with the answer and let the disciples go. Some people kind of ask, did Jesus steal? Because it's just kind of strange to go up to a random place and then take a, uh, a colt and just say, hey, the Lord needs it. And they just kind of walk away. Um, but what actually does speak of is just how, um, I guess in that time, how popular and famous and how everyone knew Jesus. Um, and so, and I would imagine that people knew who the disciples were and also shows us that Bethphage is probably also a small place. And so when there's all this huge crowd all of a sudden going through this little town called Bethphage and all of a sudden one of the disciples kind of show up and they're like, isn't that one of Jesus' disciples? What are you doing? And it's like, the Lord needs of it. You're like, oh, of course, that's Jesus. Wow, Jesus needs our donkey? It's never been ridden. Sure, yeah, go ahead, take of it. Um, And so again, it speaks of how uh, Jesus' popularity has been growing and how well-known Jesus was. So second, the crowd. How does the crowd respond? And we see that the crowd, basically, they start following Jesus. Um, in Matthew, it talks about the crowd being before him and behind him. Um, we see them spreading their cloaks and the palm branches. And, and they're so in- excited that they start shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And we see that from verse 35. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the coat, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice with all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Um, So the crowd is excited and all these people are celebrating Jesus coming, the King, the Messiah. Uh, but not everyone's happy. Um, we didn't read this, but immediately after the Pharisees uh, are upset and they ask Jesus to rebuke their disciples, his disciples. Um, but he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out and saying that this is the time uh, for the for the world to celebrate the king, the coronation of the king. And then afterwards, Jesus weeps and he weeps because he knows that judgment And destruction will come because they have not understood the significance of what's happening right now. And then, and he, in verse 45, he enters and he enters the temple. So that's what happened on Palm Sunday. So what significance does that have for us? And I think what the crowd and what we can learn from this time is there are two major things. One is the great insight and second is the great misunderstanding. So the first of all, the great insight that they had is that Jesus is king. Jesus is the king. Um, And so we see a few uh, markers here that help explain that. First of all, is that they spread their cloaks. And spreading their cloak, I guess it was at least seen once in the Old Testament. Um, I guess it might have been an ancient custom. So in 2 Kings um, chapter 9, verse 13, um, was the example of 
another king, King Jehu, um, and as he was being coronated, um, they did this. Every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpets and proclaimed, "Jehu is king." Um, so this was an example of one way of demonstrating that this is the new king uh, was throwing their cloaks down. And what does that symbolize? And it basically it's a symbolism of submitting, submission. In effect, what they were saying is that we place ourselves under your feet. So an example of this would be kind of why thrones are elevated. Um, the reason thrones are elevated um, was that you are physically lower than them and saying, in essence, we are under your feet, saying that we submit to your majesty and to your authority. Um, and so when they were throwing down these cloaks, it was symbolically saying, we place ourselves underneath you. The second thing that we see here is that they spread uh, the palm branches. And that's more specifically stated in John chapter 12, verse 13. And I guess in the custom of the day, there might have been two reasons. It, I think for most people, it's still a little surprising because um, there was an official thing that they did this at that time. Um, but there were two things that might have related to this. First of all, in Roman athletic competitions, uh, the winners were often awarded palm branches as a symbol of strength and victory. So one of the purposes of these palm branches may be this idea of symbol of strength and victory. Um, the other second thing was actually related to another feast of the Jewish people called the Feast of Tabernacles, which normally would be September and October. So this would have been like several months much earlier or later. Um, so it would not have been a common practice at that exact moment, um, but it was a practice they did in September and October. And in Leviticus 2340, it says, and you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and blows of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So one of the things that happens in the Feast of Tabernacles is supposed to take branches of palm trees, which is similar to the palm branches here, and then with that, you're supposed to rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So this was meant to be a symbol of celebration, a symbol of God doing great things. And so during this time, I believe that it was a celebration to end all celebration. They were enthusiastic because they believed this was the king, the one that they were longing for, the Messiah. The third thing that we see on the next slide is that it declared, they declared Jesus' mighty works. And we see this in verse 37. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud shout with all, for all the mighty works that they had seen. And so what we see is that the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And so I'd imagine as they were passing through, uh, I would imagine most people knew what was going on, but there might have been some people saying, who's that? Why, what, what's going on? Why is everyone throwing down the palm branches? Why is everyone throwing down their clothes? What's the big deal? And they say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And they say, you haven't heard what Jesus did? Oh, let me tell you. You know, and they might recall like the miracles. He changed water into wine. He healed the royal official. He healed the invalid. He walked on water. He fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. He healed the man born blind. And just a few weeks ago, just in our little town here, Jesus raised Lazarus. And so we see 
that the crowds probably were declaring just, did you see what God, did you see what Jesus did? He is a prophet. And so as they were entering, one of the things that probably came through that is that they knew nothing could stop him. And they probably believed that if he wanted to, he could speak and Pilate would just perish and the Romans would be scattered because he was powerful, he was sovereign, and nothing could stop him. And last of all, he's here, um, they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes. In the Matthew account, the Mark account, and John, they all say Hosanna. And in our Luke account that we read today, they proclaim, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So one of the things that really stands out um, from here is that it is quoting from Psalms 118, 25 to 26. And I'll read that for us. It says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. So we get the word Hosanna from the phrase, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. And so I guess in the Hebrew, the word save us is related to Hosanna, which is actually the Greek way of saying um, that, that phrase. And so Hosanna means save us, uh, or it could also mean salvation. Salvation has come. Um, so it's a cry of plea for help, but it's also a proclamation that salvation has come. And basically what this is prophecy is doing, it's, it's acknowledging the prophecy of the Christ, the Messiah to come. I think the other thing that it does that, especially that the Luke passage does, it says, blessed is the king. Um, if you read in the Psalms passage, it read, it said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Luke, it emphasizes the kingship of Jesus. Blessed is the king. And I think because of that, it reminds me of probably the famous prophecy that Isaiah shared in Isaiah 9-7. And it talks about the eternal king. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so the thing that they were looking forward to was this, this eternal king who would come and establish his kingdom and that they would, he would reign forever. And that is why they were so excited that is Jesus the eternal king? Is he the one that we've been waiting for? And on top of that, the zeal of the Lord will, will do this. And that if he has a backing of God Almighty to do this, no one can stop him. He rules over everything, the nations, the galaxies, everything. And all of us are just mere grains of sand, just a vapor. Nothing can stop him. And so that was the great insight. They saw Jesus as the king. But unfortunately, um, they also had the great misunderstanding. And the great misunderstanding is they saw Jesus more as a political king. Um, and basically what, what's happened is that they had a certain expectation of Jesus. They wanted Jesus to bring political freedom, basically salvation from Rome, because they were under the power of Rome and they wanted their own autonomy, their own freedom to do as they wish. And they did not want to be ruled by Rome any longer. But instead, Jesus brought something different. He brought spiritual freedom a salvation from sin and death. And so at this moment, they're excited and they're pumped. But sadly, 
a few days later, um, we realized where their hearts really was. And they basically wanted the lesser thing. They just wanted the political freedom. And they, and in Luke 23, verse 21, eventually we hear the same crowd saying, crucify, crucify him. And so even though they had this amazing insight, this amazing understanding, he's the king, they kind of completely missed the point that Jesus came to, to die on a cross so that we would have life, so that we would be saved from our sins. And so that is the misunderstanding that they had, and we too may also have. And so this leads us to how should I respond? How should I respond? I think first, as counter Pastor Dohi kind of encouraged us, is celebrate with joy, celebrate the victory of the Lord. Palm Sunday is a day of celebration, a day of joy, a day of looking forward to the deliverance of the King. And as Pastor Dohi shared from about Pastor David, that there was dancing and celebration. And so it is kind of a strange time because as we celebrate uh, today, in a few days, uh, we'll have Good Friday where we mourn uh, the death of Christ and then we celebrate celebrate again. Um, but I do think it's kind of like the be- it begins with celebration. It, there is some sadness and grief and then it goes back to celebration. And so today, will you celebrate? Today, will we be reminded that the king is coming? He has come. But he's coming again. And at that time, the thing, all these things will be made right. The second thing here is prepare your hearts for Jesus to enter. And as, as we kind of saw in the story um, of uh, the triumphal entry, um, they did various things. So first of all, they did is they laid down their coats. And I guess I want us to think about, I was trying to think of a modern day example. How do you lay down your coats? Because we only have, authority figures and submissions. Um, I think the only submission that I could kind of think about as maybe is paying your taxes or something like that. Um, but it was an act of submitting ourselves um, below and a person of authority. And so I guess for us, what I kind of was thinking about is, um, is maybe this idea of uh, for us, we, su- we must submit ourselves to God. And so I want to specifically encourage us to submit ourselves to the word of God. And to yield ourselves, first, we need to hear the word. Second, we need to receive the word. And third, we need to obey the word. Uh, the way I kind of see where I struggle for this for myself is that maybe I can hear the word and I can receive it and try to put it in my heart and just say, okay, God, what are you trying to say to me? But the part that I have a hard time many times is obeying the word. So I guess an example that I kind of have for, um, that I had for my life many times is, um, as I'm driving around, um, I would sometimes ask the camera, should I go left? Should I go right? Uh, maybe I see some traffic ahead of me. So I think if I go left, maybe I could beat the traffic or if I go right, maybe that could be another shortcut. Um, and so I would ask my wife, what do you think I should do? And then she would give me a suggestion um, and she would say maybe left, but then I would go right instead. And then she would be like, why did you ask me if you're not going to listen to me? Why did you ask me to go left or right? You just did whatever you wanted. And I realize that sometimes when I'm in that mode, I'm kind of more talking out loud and I'm just asking for suggestions, but I'm calculating and I'm thinking, if I go left, from my experiences, I have more and I can just go right. And maybe that's what I do with God many times. I go to God and say, God, I want to hear your will. I want to do your way, but I'm just actually talking out loud and I'm not actually receiving from God. I'm not actually saying, yeah, God, should I go left? Should I go right? And God says, go right. But it's like, God, actually think about it. I'm going to go left. Yeah, okay, thanks. It was a good talk, God. Nice. 
And I, the reason I asked this is that when's the last time you read the word of God and God changed your direction because of what he said? Or do you go to God and all you just want is affirmation to say, yeah, you're going the right way. Keep going. Yay. Or are you willing to submit to saying, God, saying, I want you to go a different direction. Will you trust me? Will you go in the direction I'm leading you? And that's, as I'm talking about, I guess, as we think about laying down our coats as an act of submission, I want to encourage us is that has the word of God challenged you to go in a different direction instead of just affirming everything? In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And it has four things. It has teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And of the four things, two of them are kind of more rebuking and correcting. It's the idea of changing. And so I just want to encourage us that has the word of God helped change your direction? Has it altered your projection of your life? And that might be a way of submitting ourselves today. Another thing that the crowd did is that they declared the mighty works of God. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. In Psalms 145 verse 4 says, one generation shall commend your works to another. They shall declare your mighty acts. So one thing I want, just want to encourage us, uh, maybe tonight uh, at the dinner table or maybe right after the service, is to share um, someone in your family a mighty work of God. Share something that God has done in your life. Uh, if, if it's hard to uh, do that uh, over the dinner table, consider maybe emailing a friend and that maybe you haven't talked to a while and declare God is good. What is God doing in our lives? But as they uh, declare the mighty works of God, we too can declare the mighty works of God. And I think the great thing, um, obviously, seeing uh, with Zoom is that we get to see old friends. It's good seeing Pastor Han joining us this morning. Um, and so there might be different people that we haven't seen in a while. Consider declaring the mighty work, works of God to one another. And the last one that I want to encourage us is ask yourself, what king am I inviting into my heart? And the first two is kind of related to the great insight. And this last one's cons- relating to the great misunderstanding. I think. All of us want to invite Jesus as the true king, but I think if we're honest, I wonder if we really want the true king to enter our lives. What do I mean by that? Um, it's that, do you want a political king or the king of kings? And I guess a better way to look at this is, what do you want today? What do you expect? Um, and if I'm honest, many times the king that I want is a king who will serve my best interests. What I really want is a king to help make what I want happen. I see the king as a means to my own ends. And I think that's, if I were to think about the people back then, they're probably just thinking, my life is hard. The taxes are, taxation's too crazy, and my life is just so difficult. If we had Jesus, our own king, then we won't have these problems. My life would be so much better. And so I want Jesus to take over as the political king so my life would be easier. My life would make, wouldn't be so hard, right? And I guess um, some of us, uh, I guess for me, what I kind of see a lot of times, especially as I work with the college students and our youth group kids, is that we believe Jesus is the God who will help make the American dream happen. If I continue to follow God, then I'll, have, I'll find a perfect person. And then with that perfect person, or maybe a hot person for us young people, 
a hot person and we'll get married and then all of a sudden I'm going to have this amazing job and I'm going to get promotions after promotion and I'm going to rise up the ranks and I'll make a lot of money and then I'll have this nice house and then I'll have uh, this nice white picket fence with a private backyard porch for myself and my family. And when God doesn't give us, give us those things, then we get angry. God, if you love me, how come I haven't found that person? If you love me, why am I not, do, not doing better in my classes? If you love me, why am I not getting promoted? And we start getting angry at God because he's not fulfilling this promise that we believe he's supposed to make to us. And when we start getting angry, it starts showing us that maybe we're not so different from the crowd. The whole point of a king is that the king is sovereign. He is going to do what is best. But many times what we want is a, a puppet king, a king who actually will submit to us to say we are the king. We want, I want God to do what I want. And that's the question that I guess I want us to think about. And I'm not here to point the fingers because I, am, I can fall victim to that to myself. I, I think about even like the coronavirus and obviously, it is a, uh, tr- a difficulty we're all facing together. And we know that people have died uh, from this. Um, but sometimes, you know, I guess in the beginning, you know, we didn't understand the situation. And, and many of us are just, we see the coronavirus as, man, it's affecting me financially. It's affecting maybe some of my things I was hoping to do in the future and all these setbacks. And, and, and as a result, we kind of see it as inconvenient or messing up my life. And I'm not, I don't understand the purpose of the coronavirus. I, I just know that God is in control and God is good. Um, but I guess what I want to encourage us, I guess, as we wrestle with this stuff is it's okay to have strong emotions. It's okay to have those things. And, but I want to encourage us to go to God with that and then allow God to speak to us. I think the, the thing that I would hate to see is that we would have these strong emotions but then we would just naturally conclude on our own and start accusing God. God, you're, you're blocking this stuff in my life. Why is this hardship happening? And we get angry just at God. I think it's okay to be frustrated and to, to feel these things, but go to God. Turn to God and say, God, I want to ask you, can you help me make sense of this? And even if you don't fully explain, God, I want to trust you in the middle of this. And so do you want the king of kings into your heart or do you want a puppet king who will serve you? And I think that is where I know for myself, that's what I'm most challenged by as I studied the triumphal entry is do I really want the king, the true king of kings, the Lord of lords into my heart or do I just want someone who will serve me? And so uh, today is again, is a day of celebration to celebrate the, the coming victory of the Lord. And so let us prepare our hearts uh, to let Jesus enter our, our hearts and into this world. So uh, please pray with me. Lord, we ask you to sit on the throne of our lives. Lord, you are the true King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We thank you that you see the bigger picture, the more important things. And God, thank you that on this first Advent, that you came to die a sinner's death. You die on the cross and shed your blood so that our sins will be taken away. And so we come and we want to thank you and we want to worship you and we want to celebrate even, Lord God. This, the king is coming. The king is here. 
thank you for reigning in heaven, and we long for your return once again. And so, Lord, pray that you would help us this upcoming week to prepare our hearts as we prepare for Good Friday and Easter Sunday, and that we would be able to remember, but also to celebrate your mighty work. Can you pray with me the Lord's Prayer?